Let's pray and jump into the message. Father, I thank you so much for your your presence that you gave us you gave us your word uh, as 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 something that connects us to you that lets us know who you are and father would we have eyes to read it correctly this morning and would you speak to our hearts and reveal something that maybe we haven't seen before in your name we pray amen turn with me to john chapter 15 we've been in this verse and this portion of scripture uh, for for this is our third week we're doing a series called deep roots and we're talking about how jesus has equated or he's he's um related the ideas of being his disciple with people who bear fruit who bear good lasting fruit and so uh we're, we've been talking about how to bear fruit what does it mean to bear fruit and and we've been talking about how we need to be deeply rooted in three types of soils three areas in our life and that's one intimacy with god that every one of us needs to develop deep roots in a relationship with God, a personal connection that we that we aren't relying on somebody else's relationship with with God. We're not relying on our our friends or our pastor or our parents or whoever else. But we develop deep roots ourselves, and we need those deep roots to to bear fruit. The second area or the second soil is community in the church. Jesus made this very important. One of the last prayers we talked about this last week. One of the last prayers that Jesus made. Before he went to the cross was a prayer for you and I that we would be united and that we would be one. And it was we talked last week how it is a relationship that is based off of a a divine relationship that the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit share. And church community is so important. It is so vital. And Jesus emphasized it all throughout his teachings. And so we need to develop deep roots, not only in intimacy with God and community in the church, but today we're going to talk about developing deep roots in the soil of service to the world. That we can't forget about the people who don't know Jesus yet. We can't forget about ministering outside of these four walls. You might have soil in intimacy, or excuse me, you might have developed roots in the soil of intimacy, and you might have developed deep roots in the soil of community of church community, but if you do not develop soil, excuse me, if you do not develop roots in the soil of service to the world, then you are like a plant that looks good, but it's not bearing any fruit. It's not bearing any fruit. It's not doing anything. And so John 15, five, verses 5, 8, and 16 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. We are called to bear fruit. And it has to start by developing roots in soils. And to be able to allow God to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So today I'm going to talk about the soil of service to others. You know, when I was in high school, I was nominated for a Fifth Avenue Theater Award. And for those of you who have no idea what that is, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how not of a big deal it is. But I was nominated for a Fifth Avenue Theater Award. And it's, it's this award ceremony in Washington State in Seattle for high school musicals. So it's televised. They make it kind of feel like the Oscars 
for high school musicals in Washington State, and it was a big deal in my school. And and we knew that there were scout. Every time we did a, a musical at our school, I was really involved in drama. And every time we did a musical in school, we were we kept an eye out for the Fifth Avenue the Fifth Avenue Award Scouts who were there to critique and to nominate students for these uh, for these awards. And I was nominated one year, my junior year of high school, I was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in my role as Gideon in the musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Anybody seen this movie before? All right, right on, my people. Good movie. And uh, my dad came with me. We took the ferry to Seattle, and we sat there, and, you know, I remember sitting in the car with my dad. <laughs> and, uh, my, you know, we, I came from a, I was at Squim High School at the time. It was kind of a smaller high school. And this was a statewide competition with big schools and big drama budgets. And my dad was just kind of bracing me. Hey, son, just let you know, like, you know, they kind of give these awards out to the bigger schools. So just don't, don't be disappointed if you don't get this award. And so I was kind of preparing to not receive the award. It was just an honor to be nominated. And uh, they, they read off the names of the nominees in the category Best Supporting Actor, and they said, and the winner is Blake Barnes for his role as Gideon in Seven Brides with Seven Brothers. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You love me. You really love me. You know, I, I, I got up there. <laughs> I gave a very awkward acceptance speech. And my dad was the first one out of his seat. He stood up just like that. My dad, my dad's right here in the front row. He stood out of his seat. He was the first one. He went ballistic. And my friends who are sitting down with us, they're going ballistic. And you know, it was, it was for a junior in high school, that was success. I had arrived. You know what? Before my voice fully dropped and before my shoulders filled out, I had achieved what greatness looks like as a junior in high school. That's right. I wanted people to take notes. Look at how awesome I am. You know, what so many of us crave in life is this feeling of recognition and approval of our peers. We want to be seen and heard in our own unique ways. Now, I know some of you are like, don't put me on a stage. I don't want to be seen and heard in that way. Maybe you don't want to be on a stage but perhaps you want more recognition at home or at work. You want your husband or your wife to, to recognize you a little bit more. You want your boss or your employees to notice what a great job you're doing. We crave this recognition and approval of our peers. And we've come to view leadership and greatness as a top-down model. The truly exceptional people are the ones on the platform or in visible leadership roles, but Jesus modeled greatness in a very, very different way. And we've got it all backwards today. He revealed that true leadership is not a top-down plan, but true greatness and leadership is best displayed in humility and service to others. It was a, it, it was a, a small role. It was making yourself smaller. And we have this turned around. Turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to start at verse 5. Matthew 23, verse 5. And Jesus is talking about hypocrisy among the Pharisees. He's telling his disciples what not to do. And he says this in verse 5 of Matthew 23. He says, he's talking about the Pharisees. Everything they do is done for people to see. 
We are guilty of this sometimes today, aren't we, church? Think of how people use social media to show others how amazing they are. That we want others to recognize the things that we've done. We want them to see how good our kids are, how big our house is, how great our work's going. You fill in the blank. And Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. He says everything they do is done for people to see. But then he says they make their phylacteries, uh, phylacteries wide. This is a little leather box that they would tie on their arms and their forehead that had scripture in it. And he's talking about the Pharisees. They'd make them wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. But you are not called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. And then he says this, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus pushes back against the idea that greatness is equivalent to being seen by others and is achieved by monumental successes. And instead, Jesus, he marries the concepts of greatness and leadership and even royalty with the concepts of humility and love and service to others. One of the most powerful things and one of the most difficult things in life is the ability to take your eyes off of yourself and off of your needs and place your eyes onto the needs of others. It is one of the most powerful and rewarding things to do. It takes all the pressure off of you to perform, to feel like you have to measure up. It's one of the most rewarding things to be able to stop being worried about how others perceive you. Yet it is one of the most difficult things in life to be able to take your eyes off of your needs and look at others. How many of you have ever gone to a, a social setting or a party and you got a big zit on your face? Anybody ever done this before? Well, I have. Okay, maybe I'm the only one in the room. And oftentimes, I, I'm so self-conscious. I, I'm, I'm thinking, everybody is looking at me right now. Everybody is focusing on that white head that's tucked just right, but, you know, right on this side of my nose. But the truth of it is, is everybody else is worried about themselves. They're focused on themselves. They don't even notice what's going on with you. They're focused on what's wrong with them. It's one of the most difficult things to do to be able to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on the others. And in the West, especially, we can develop an entitled attitude that justifies ignoring the needs of others and just looking out for number one. But Jesus, he was God in the flesh, church. And he, and he gave his life. He was rooted in service to the world. God in the flesh modeled how it was done. Let's look at another place in the in Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, I want to look at what Jesus is talking about when he mentions service to others. And here's the background of the story. There's this instance in Matthew uh, when the mother of James and John, two of Jesus's disciples, Zebedee's sons, James and John, if you've been following with the chosen, it's nice that we can put some actors' faces to these names, right? And 
And James and John, and I think this episode is probably coming up. You, you know it's coming up soon. But the mother of James and John comes to Jesus, and, they, and she asks Jesus if her sons could sit beside him to his left and his right in his kingdom. And Jesus responds by telling her, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know the gravity of what you're asking. That, those seats of honor are not mine to give away. They are my father's to give away. He has, he has picked people for those seats, is what he says. And in verse 24, I love what this says. It says, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Yeah, gee, you think? Come on. What's the deal? You guys are, what, you greedy little disciples. What are you doing? You know, uh, can you imagine the competition that these 12 disciples probably had to impress Jesus? Just wanting to be the best disciple, wanting to be Jesus's favorite. Anybody here know what it's like to want to be the teacher's pet? And if you don't, I do. Come on. I was the teacher's pet in high school. I wanted to be liked by my teachers. I wanted to make people proud. And then Jesus says this in verse 25. I love this. After this awkward moment, think of how awkward this moment is. Jesus, can can my son sit by you in the kingdom? Mm, No. And then disciples are like, come on, guys, really? And everybody's just kind of quiet, like, that was weird. And Jesus, he calls them together, brings them in. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus pulls them together in this awkward moment, and he lets them in on a little secret of his. He says, if you want me to consider you to be great, then you have to serve each other well. You've got to serve each other. And the Greek word for serve is also where we get the word minister. It's where we get the word ministry. And it literally refers to waiting tables, to offering food and drink to guests. That's what this word means. It's to supply food and and the necessities of life and to attend to anything that may serve another's interests. The greatest person that Jesus is referring to is the one who genuinely says, is there anything I can get for you? Is there anything I can do? Is there something I can do to take care of you? I'm here for whatever you need. That is the greatest person in the kingdom of heaven. And that is not what is celebrated today. Ministry and ministering and, and uh, it's become this attractive and flashy thing. And we have this appearance of celebrity pastors on stage and this attractional program-driven model of churches. And don't get me wrong, I admire some of the same pastors you do. I want Stephen Furtick's biceps, a pastor of Ele- Elevation Church. He's funny, he's, he's good-looking, I, and he, he, I, I believe he genuinely loves the Lord. I admire some of the same pastors as you do, but at our core, my passion is that desert church wouldn't be program-driven, it would be people-driven. That we, we, we would be all about people. And we would do what Jesus did, one person at a time. Looking at people one person at a time and asking ourselves, how can we meet their needs? What can I do for you? Let me know what you need. How can I serve you? 
And as you, as you develop deep roots in the soil of service, the Spirit of God will lead you into stretching moments. This does not come easy. It does not come easy. None of these roots develop easy. I wish that I could just go into my office and close the door, and it was like immediately I could feel the presence of God and the words of Scripture are just jumping off the page, and it's almost like this audible voice from heaven. It doesn't happen like that, but instead it's this daily devotion. It's this daily consistency where I step into the quiet place, and I develop intimacy with God. I develop these roots even when it's hard. Community in the church. That's a hard one to develop roots in, isn't it? Especially because people are not perfect and they hurt your feelings and they're nasty sometimes, especially in the church. People in the church are not perfect. And developing roots in church community is difficult at times. It's painful at times. And so we're intentional about it. And we have to stretch ourselves when we develop those roots. And in the same way, when we develop roots in the soil of service to the world, it is stretching at moments. It's difficult. It doesn't come naturally for many of us. There's these pruning moments that need to happen in our lives. Moments that grow you and challenge you. And so this morning, I want to give you three moments. I want to give you three moments that you can expect as you develop roots in the soil of service. And this is not to be an, ex- an exhaustive list or an exclusive list. But I believe that these are three moments that Jesus modeled within the last hours of his life. These three moments are are moments that happen just hours, the last hours of his life. The first moment that you can expect as you develop roots in the soil of service is the table moment. The table moment. What do I mean by that? In John chapter 13, you can turn with me if you'd like. John chapter 13, just before Jesus was arrested. He was in a room with his disciples, and he was washing their feet. And I love that if you read verse 2 of John chapter 13, it mentions that Jesus already knew Judas was about to betray him, but Jesus washed his feet regardless. He didn't shoo him out of the room before. Judas was in the room when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. And it says this in John 13, 12 through 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he says, do you understand what I have just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I think Jesus wants to remind us that we have a master, that we have somebody who is greater than us, somebody who is over us, somebody that we follow, somebody that we try to model our lives after. And if you possess any feelings of greatness or pride, it should only be because of what Jesus did for you. And Jesus revealed in that moment that the table moment is a moment when you take a posture of extreme humility. The table moment, as you develop roots in the soil of service, you will encounter a moment where you are forced, if you want to continue to grow, you will be forced to take a posture 
of extreme humility. It's a challenging moment when your enemy is standing in front of you and you can either run them out of the room or you can wash their feet. If you've been married for over 25 years, I'm sure you've had some table moments with your spouse. There's moments when you want to continue advocating for yourself and prove that you're correct and you you go back and forth, but instead maybe this table moment looks like an apology and you start listening more than talking and offering advice. It's a moment where you take a posture of humility even when it's difficult. Or maybe there's a relationship in your life. There's somebody at work or, or, or somebody or a family member who's out to get you, it feels like. And a table moment is a moment where you experience, where you choose, you are intentional about taking a posture of extreme humility. <clears throat> in 2021, I had this, uh, in the summer of 2021, I had amazing, an amazing experience. One of my friends uh, one of my friends is a pilot, and he has multiple businesses. He's he's very wealthy, very successful, and he also owns a lodge on Half Moon Lake in Pinedale, Wyoming. And this guy is one of the most extremely humble people that I know. And he's one of the most, he has one of the greatest servant hearts of anybody I know. And I tell him when he's, when he's flying me in his plane, I say, you are the epitome of friends in high places. And he, he, this is what he did. He came here to Afreda, landed in the Afreda airport to pick me up and to take my friend and I to his lodge in Pinedale, Wyoming for a week. And he and his wife paid for everything. They put us up in their lodge for the week. And him and his wife and their kids personally served us every meal. And he let us use his pickup truck for the week. And he took my friend and I horse, well, he took my friend on a horseback ride adventure because I'm allergic to horses. And if I get on a horse, um, it's like game over for me. But he, he, he just spoiled us and he gave and he served us. And he was asking us constantly, is there anything that you need? Is there anything I can get for you guys? And it was this table experience where I felt like he was washing our feet. I felt like he was th- this guy who's super successful, who, uh, who who could be anywhere right now, taking care of anything, is, is choosing to wait a table and, and feed us and, and to serve us food and ask us if there's anything that we can do. I was humbled by this experience. And it was just one, one of those moments in life where I thought in my heart, I want to be like that. Not I want to be a pilot and have all the success, although that would be cool, but... I see this, this, this humble heart, this servant's heart. It's changing me. It's doing something in me. I want that attitude towards people. I want to be able to serve people like this guy is serving us. So we have a table moment as we develop roots in the soil of service. Another moment that we have as we develop roots is we will be faced with a garden moment. A garden moment. After leaving that Passover meal, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed multiple times, and he came to the Father, and he says this in Matthew twenty six thirty nine. He says, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, I'm not looking forward to this. If there's any other option, now's the time to throw the audible, Father. Now's the time to do something different. And then he says, But not my will. I want what you want. 
but your will be done. Garden moments is a moment of submission to what God is asking you to do. God has a greater plan. And his plan may not be easy or comfortable. But he does everything for your benefit because he loves you deeply. God is not interested in your comfort. I'm sorry. He's, not, he's interested in your peace. He's interested in your joy. But he's not as interested in your safety and your comfort. <gasps> what? But I ask for safety every time I travel. That's good. You probably should. But God is more interested about using you as a vessel to bring the kingdom to where it needs to go. And oftentimes it's going to include you stepping out of your comfort zone and you being experiencing pain sometimes. God is more interested in making mature and complete disciples, mature and complete followers. He's more interested in that than he is about your comfort. Garden moments embrace inconvenience. And see life's disruptions as opportunities to please God. And I hate being interrupted. When I'm on a mission, I'm on a mission. You should see me in Safeway. And if you do, I apologize. Because I do not like to just mosey around. I see Seth all the time at Grocery Outlet. And I stop and I talk to him because he's a buddy. But man, when I'm on a mission, I'm on a mission. It's like I'm here to get eggs and milk and bread and I'm out. All right. And then you ladies are just up and down the aisles, just like <laughs> taking your time. Like, let's get out of here. This is crazy. Well, I, don't know, I, I don't like to be disrupted. And I'm, sometimes I'm in the store and and somebody, you know, they ask something of me. And, and I often see these moments in life as inconveniences. They're disturbances. But instead, if, if we want these, if, if we want to develop roots in the soil of service, The garden moments are the moments where we see inconvenience and disruption as opportunities to please God by serving other people. A garden moment might be when God asks you to lay something down so that you can love better. He might ask you to lay down an expectation. He might ask you to lay down a relationship in life. Or he might ask you to lay down something that brings you comfort, something you've been holding on to, Something you've been coping with, he might ask you to lay that down. My wife, she didn't know I was going to tell the story, but I've told it before, so I've got her permission. My wife had a garden moment when we had Gideon. She had a real garden moment. She understood that raising kids meant she had to lay aside some dreams that she had for her own life for a season. And it was a painful experience for her, but she walked away with some deep roots. And she understands that Jesus is asking her to be a great mom to our kids. Moms, have you had that garden moment before? Where your kids arrive and you had plans before the kids showed up. But Jesus speaks to your heart and says, this is what's the most important thing. Teach your kids to love Jesus. Love your kids well. And that requires a little bit of dying to yourself, right? Letting go of some dreams that you had. Letting go of something that you were hoping for. At least for a season, right? At least for a season. Those are garden moments, moms. Embrace those moments. Find purpose in those moments. I love this quote from Banning Liebscher. He wrote a book called Rooted. He says this, No passion in our life should be larger than our foundational passion to love, serve, and be obedient to Jesus. 
No passion in life should be larger than our foundational passion to love, serve, and be obedient to Jesus. Then he goes on to say later, we become more passionate about pursuing a dream than we are about pursuing Jesus at times. We become more passionate about accomplishing our vision and our goals and making something of ourselves when Jesus says, I have a kingdom that I'm building, and I want you to be a part of my kingdom, not your kingdom. We're not building your kingdom. We're building God's kingdom. Garden moments. And as you continue to develop roots in the soil of service, eventually you'll be faced with a cross moment. A cross moment. John 15, 12 through 13, it says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to trivialize these physical moments that Jesus had. By comparing them to spiritual or emotional moments in our lives. Jesus experienced true sacrifice. Physical sacrifice. He gave his life for us. And I'm not trying to trivialize that very real sacrifice of Jesus. By comparing it to some emotional wound or some emotional needs that we have. But the reality is that for some Christians. These are also life and death moments. That believers around the world. The, the reality is, is that we have believers, brothers and sisters around the world that are literally having cross moments and giving their lives for their faith. They're literally dying for the gospel and for what they believe in. But Jesus also says this for you and I who are here in America in the safety of Afredo, Washington. For now, who knows what the future will have in store. But this is the reality we get to live in, the blessing we get to live in. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this to you. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You have to deny yourself. Take up your cross. And he associates the idea of denying your desires with the imagery of death on a cross. The cross moment is a moment that requires us to sacrifice something for another. True sacrifice. We sacrifice For another person. And as we develop roots in this soil. As we're intentional. We are all going to come to this cross moment. And have to decide. Am I going to actually give this up? Am I going to sacrifice for another person? Here's another quote. From Pastor Banny Liebscher. He says. If our serving never really requires us to sacrifice for something bigger than ourselves. Then it's likely that our serving is about us. Let me say that one more time. If our serving never really requires us to sacrifice for something bigger than ourselves, then it's likely that our serving is about us. I want you to ask yourself this morning, does my life involve any true sacrifice? Am I sacrificing in my life? Because being a follower of Jesus requires sacrifice. You give something up. Don't misunderstand me. Grace is free. The gift of salvation. You did not earn it. You cannot earn it. God gave that to you as a free gift. But Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you have to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross and you have to die to the desires of your flesh. Die to what you want. 
So we can look for opportunities to sacrifice for other people. We can look for opportunities to serve others. We can be able to embrace these moments, these table moments in our life, and understand that these table moments and these garden moments and these cross moments that we come to, they seem inconvenient, they, they seem difficult at times, but if you want to continue developing roots in this soil, you embrace these moments and realize that God is doing something in these moments, he's strengthening you, he's pruning you, he's taking you deeper. He doesn't want you to look like everybody else. One of the distinguishing marks of the church is supposed to be our radical humility, our radical service to the world, how we love people. It is one of the distinguishing marks of the church. And in order to bring glory to God, we have to become those people who embrace these moments in our lives. We can ask people if there's anything that we can do for them, and we genuinely mean it. Is there anything I can do for you? And we genuinely mean it. We have a few opportunities here at our church. Maybe, maybe you are kind of in a world where you say, I, I, I really don't know where to look. I don't know how to serve people. Or I don't know who I can serve. Well, start in your neighborhood. Start with your neighbor. Start with your family. Start with your husband and your wife and your kids. And think about how can I sacrificially serve them? How can I humble myself? How can I do what Jesus did? Start there. Start in your family. Start in your house. And then think about your neighborhood. How can I bless my neighbors? How can I make my cul-de-sac a better place? How can I make my street a better place? How can I serve people in my neighborhood? And when we're here at church, there's opportunities for you to serve others here at church and with his helping hands. I know that Dawn is sitting back there and she's looking for people to volunteer on Mondays and Saturdays. Is that right? And so if you are interested in serving people radically with the love of Jesus by giving them physical things that they need, you could, you could talk to Dawn about serving with his helping hands on Mondays and Saturdays. There's a lot of opportunities to serve here at our church with teaching kids and greeting people at the door and making coffee. And uh, we've got all sorts of really practical needs, things that are not flashy and don't involve the stage, like weeding outside and all sorts of stuff, administration in the back. And we also have a, a worship team that maybe you're interested in joining, but find a way to serve. Find a way to say, I, I want to I sacrifice a little bit more. I want to give just a little bit more. We're going to take communion together, and I think it's appropriate as we talk about these moments, as we talk about the table moment, the garden moment, the cross moment, that we have our communion elements with us. God's calling right now, so we're going to answer. Yeah, you want to open that for me? So would you get out your communion elements? Thank you. It's a floor cracker. It's fine. Appreciate it. Let's pray together. Would you take the bread? And if you are unfamiliar with, with, with this, it's that moment right after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He breaks bread with them. And he says, this bread that you hold in my hand, this is my body that is broken for you. And this cup, that was filled with wine. He says, this is my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. And then he says, do this. Keep, continue to do this moment. Continue to take communion in remembrance of me. And so we do this 
number one, to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. But it's also was always meant to be a moment, a community moment. It was a moment for us to come to the table together and to say we are all at the same table. We are all on the same playing field. We are all the family of God. So if you're here in this moment, I'm going to ask Mary to come back, come up as we do this. But I, I want to ask you, if you're here and maybe you have been feeling like, I need a fresh slate. I've been feeling distant from God. I've been feeling like he's far away. Can I encourage you that Jesus never went anywhere? He never left. Even in the midst of our running, even in the midst of our our confusion, Jesus never went anywhere. So this morning, I want to invite you to come and turn to Jesus, to look him in the eyes once again. This is an opportunity to repent and to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for running. I'm sorry for rejecting what you had for me. I'm sorry for saying no for so long, but now I say yes. So bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Father, we come to you as empty, empty people that are waiting to be filled back up. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need what only you can offer us. And Father, I pray for those who are here and they're tired. They've been running for a long time and they've been looking for another shot. God, you continually offer those to us. Your mercies are new every morning is what your word says. So Father, we take this bread and we we ask, Lord, that as we take this bread, we body was broken so that ours can receive healing. We claim that healing over our lives and we thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Let's take that together. Take the cup. Just in this moment as you hold the cup, just take a few moments to quietly pray. Quietly pray by yourself. Just speak to Jesus. If you need to come back to him, if you need to repent for something, if you need to say you need to ask for forgiveness, just say it right now in the quiet of this moment. Father, forgive me. Cleanse me.
Heavenly Father, I pray that as we continue throughout this week, that these words and, Lord, what you, I pray that we would adopt an attitude of service, just like you did. That we would, when we encounter these moments throughout this week, these inconvenient moments, these table moments, these garden moments, these cross moments, help us to embrace these moments. Help us to develop deep roots in these soils. And we love you, Jesus. We ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you, church, so much. Next week, come ready to worship. And uh, we are going to have our worship night next Sunday. I'm so looking forward to it. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday.